Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. It's not even really an edition of the podcast. It's a special live stream that will then become a podcast. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital. Very happy to be with you here in the Brooklyn Bunker, getting ready to head down to Maryland. And we've got a crack team to go over the pick five on this Saturday Preakness Day card. I'll introduce the panel, starting with the man wearing the same shirt as me. Now, how embarrassing. You, know, you always worry about this when you've got a cool new shirt that somebody's going to you know, bust your uh, spot and, and bring the same thing to the party. But I guess in this case, it is a bit uh, forgivable because he designed the shirt. He is my uh, podcast partner, Jonathan Kitchen. Who wore it better? Look, I, I normally would be very upset about having the same shirt on as someone else. It's, it's giving me nightmares. I, I try not to have the same shoes, same shirt as anyone else. I've been known to leave a place and change if, if that happens. But uh, I guess it's okay if it's like my shirt and you're wearing it. It works for me. Where can you get this baby? It wasn't on the website the last time I looked. Is it, is it, a, is it, a, is it a Preakness only thing? Yeah, you know, some of them are tricky. We didn't actually sell this one, so we sold we sold it to uh, First and Stronic and the Preakness. So I think you have to get it either from their website or on track. Um, we do have, like, a cool weather vane uh, shirt we did that's on our website, oldsmokeclothing.com slash JK. Uh, we did, like, a weather vane shirt. You can you can access that one there. But uh, the Black Eyed Susan, I think you're going to have to get it on track or through, uh, through the Preakness. The iconic uh, Pimlico weather vane. Use the promo code uh, in the money for free shipping on that. The next person I bring in is going to be, she can be smug from time to time, and she's going to be extra smug on this appearance, I predict, because she's absolutely kicking our butts in our Triple Crown slash Kentucky Derby draft. She had not only the winner mage and the third place finisher angel of empire but she's got some live bullets uh, firing in the preakness as well you know her from her fantastic work on the santa anita simulcast feed and uh, various other network television um, appearances she's michelle you what's up michelle well i didn't get the memo to wear that but i did wear my jk shirt <laughs> nice the chalk eating weasel makes an appearance so i wore that i, di I didn't get the memo about the uh, black eyed susan one but i did my best <laughs> You could you I, I could see you make as you once famously converted one of the JK shirts into something you know very uh, we've got a very entertaining scene going on in yeah, your background. Right. So I love my, oh, we had a huge play date today. Actually, Tyler Bates' kids are at my house. They they their kids and my kids are like they think they're siblings, so they're <laughs> all over here and uh, getting ready to leave. We love it. We love it. Great stuff. Congrats on doing so well in the in the, in the draft so I far. I was winning. I'm so excited. Yeah, Angel of Empire and Mage with uh, you know, you've got some uh, some some national treasure in there as well. So you're that feels good because then all the people are like that were like, oh, you didn't have Mage early. I could be like, yes, I did. Duh. <laughs> Just watch the show. Right? The next person we bring in is returning to these airwaves. Very excited to have him in his live streaming debut for In the Money Media. Very sharp guy who does uh, tremendous work. Is an excellent writer and doing some great work with the MHBA. He is John Piasek. John, what's going on, man? Well, Peter, there's two big weeks of, of the year here in Maryland. One is Maryland Million, and one is this one. Previous week is always a big deal around here, but this year it's especially so, as there is for the first time in four years, and for just the fourth time in the past 20 years, a Maryland bread in the Preakness in a coffee with Chris. So everyone around here is very excited about that. No doubt about it. And Maryland breads, you know, bit bit of a – uh, so, some headlines with, you know, Nick's go in the last few years and, you know, obviously the terrific stakes program that we've covered on these airwaves. I know one of the things you guys do also is uh, is put on events honoring the history of Maryland racing. And you've got a couple of those coming up this week. We'll probably talk about it a little bit more later, but let folks know the basics. We get to do the show nice and early. It's Tuesday night with the with the draw coming on on a Monday. So folks actually have a chance if they're watching to attend if they're in the area. Yeah, for anyone who's in town, uh, please come by the Maryland Horse Library and Education Center over in Reisterstown. It, it just opened last December, and and so this is the first Preakness in, in, in which the center will be open. More than 5,000 volumes about all types of horse disciplines. Um, large meeting center, great reading area. It's, it's a great place for any racing fan. This week, Wednesday and 
Thursday, we'll have a book sale and a book signing. Tomorrow, May 17th, we'll have, have authors Josh Pons, Alvin Stone, uh, John Eisenberg, and Jack Gilden by to sign copies of their books. And then on Thursday, the 18th at 4 o'clock, uh, uh, Patricia McQueen, a, a photographer, is uh, going to come by. She recently published Secretariat's Legacy, a coffee table book with more than 280 photos of the great uh, Virginia-bred Triple Crown champion. And, and she'll be back to talk about her stuff. It's free admission. So if you have time and you're in the area, stop by. That sounds very cool. John Eisenberg has done a ton of great stuff over the years in the sports field. I think he was the, the – was he the My Guy Barbaro book a few uh, – Yes, he was, uh, yes. More than a few years ago now. I'm, I'm going to the Orioles game, John, on Thursday. But with the new pace of play in Major League Baseball, there's a very good chance we'll be wrapped at about two and a half. And I'll come and uh, join you over there on the, for, the, for the Thursday one of these. Let's dive in and talk about these races. We're, it's a stakes-laden card. We're going to talk about the all-stakes pick five starting in race number nine. We will, we'll aim to sort of breeze through and then we're obviously going to do a deeper dive on the Preakness. And then folks watching live, hey, if we have time at the end, and we may well, uh, we'd love to answer some questions. Shout out to Carlos and Ruben, who have chimed in already here in the chat. Ruben, in particular, a fan of yours, Michelle. So there you go. <laughs> you're you're just, just another way you can feel uh, superior to us. But we're going to start the racing analysis part of the show with, uh, with race number nine. We've got a listed stake here going six furlongs on the dirt and a field of 10 going postward. John, will keep it right with you for your thoughts on this one. Who do you think is going to uh, win this race that kicks off the all-stakes pick five on Saturday? This is a really fun race. Field of 10, Philly and Mary Sprinter's named after the greatest horse bred in uh, Connecticut ever, Skipat. Um, I, I went a lot of different ways here, kind of back and forth, forth and back. Ended up settling on number three, I'm the Boss of Me, trained by Greg Compton for Irad Ortiz, 4-1 to one on Morning Line. Really liked her last start at Oaklawn Park. Dueled through pretty fast fractions and pulled clear late to win by two and a quarter lengths. Just missed her career best figure on the Brisbane scale for around a 93 that day. She looks fast enough on paper to get to the lead from post three. I know both Oksana and uh, Begin have shown speed in the past, but however... I'm the boss of me's pace figures are a little bit better. I think you should be able to clear. One long shot I'm kind of interested in is number five, Princess Kokachin, one of three horses trained, or I should say two horses, trained by Jerry Robb. Um, a name needs no introduction to anybody who follows Maryland. He's been around for a long time. He trained last year's Maryland Red Horse of the Year, B. Desprey, who ran 13 times last year, won five stakes, and is currently on a planned vacation. She'll be back in training soon. Princess Kokachin... Has been kind of rounding um, in a form in her last few starts. She took the uh, almost all of the back half of last year off. Has made three starts this year. Dealt with pace pressure. Shook off challengers to win Primanetta at Laura last time. I was kind of skeptical of her going into that race. I wasn't sure that um, she could last on the lead. But she proved that she could, although she was kind of tiring toward the end. She's very fast. She has a strong middle kick. It's possible that she'll be able to beat either boss and me to the early lead. And we know heavy on Toledo will be aggressive with her. No question about that. So if she gets to the rail and the front, she could open up a big lead turning for home. The only question is, can she withstand a closing punch of the uh, closing rivals? Not true if she can, but you'll get the right price. I'm going to take that gamble. John hoping that speed kills here to kick things off. Michelle, let's bring you in for your thoughts on this one. So I wound up with the same top selection, the three, I'm the boss of me. I uh, do want to point out that punch the- play, Punch play for you, Michelle. Yes, yes. Horse is named after me, actually. Uh, I do want to point out that the number six horse, Gunning, is actually the half-sister to Mage. So it could be a really big day for the damn Puka, should both those horses run well. Um, I think that's always exciting. You know, you have a- the Kentucky Derby winner, and then his older sister's running in a stake earlier on before the Preakness, so I think that's fun. For my longer-priced horse that I was looking at, I thought that the nine was worthy of a glance, Olivia Darling for Jorge Delgado. She's turning back in distance, which I like. Um, her six furlong races have been especially productive, and even though caliber-wise she might not line up, uh, I feel like Jorge does a really good job. He's going to be able to tab Jose Ortiz for this, and she seems to be training really well. He's also 30% off the layoff, a number that I like to see there. So for me, I was going to use her along with I'm the boss of me. 
And I wouldn't steer too far from Oksana, the one horse, if I'm using, if I'm playing exotics of any type. Um, she did finish behind Princess Kokachin last time out, but she's the horse I feel like always picks up a lot of pieces. I wouldn't use her on top, but I wouldn't leave her off of any of my exactas. I'll just chime in because we have some overlap here. I think gunning is very interesting, especially underneath in the spot after uh, trying to close in a slower paced mile race the last day. If it really heats up up front and it might, I feel like gunning could come running and, and make that uh, story one that you can bet on, especially underneath in exotics. I did put the two Begin on top, really impressed with the last run, attacking the pace and just getting beaten by a perfect trip lone closer that day in Betsy Blue in a race that's come back strong. I'm hoping this horse can hold position from the inside and show her stuff. Ran for a while last year in the Black Eyed Susan and may have just found her game sprinting. JK, let's bring you in for the final thought on this one. Yeah, I mean, I only need three horses in here. I mean, I think look at, when you look at these listed stakes races, one of the biggest narratives to me when they're going from track to track is uh, Lasix, la no Lasix. And, and uh, Begin is, is one that, that I do want to make sure I have. She seems like she's a new horse since training, uh, switching trainers. She has got that big run two back with Lasix. She ran well last time without it. Now she's back. Oh, excuse me, she's not with Lasix. So I don't think she necessarily needs it. But I do think that she does have some, some tactical speed. I'm the boss of me. Completely agree with everyone else. I'll use her. But my top choice, and he'll be the seven, Edie Meeny, Miney Mo, who um, really kind of looks like a Lasix type. You look through her last couple of runs, um, her two big performances have been with Lasix. Last time she got tired late, but she had a ton of early speed. She's speed drawn outside. Um, a lot of these racetracks in, in, in Maryland, I just feel like kind of being away from the rail can sometimes be advantageous. Um, I'll pick her on top. Like I said, I only need three in here, the two, the three, and the seven. All and, right. And I must chime in. I'm sorry. Please. I must chime in. Edie Mighty Mo, uh, Edie Mighty Mo is also a Maryland bit, one of three in this field. Oh, very good. We get them. We got to get the Maryland bread name check for for each one of these races, John. That, I did that, that on, is, I did that on purpose. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't notice it. <laughs> Let's pivot. I pay attention. It's like they pop out. Of me <laughs> you got, you got to. Race ten is the Jim McKay Turf Sprint Stakes. We're going the flat five here. Looks like tons of speed signed on and a full field of twelve. J.K. Always uh, consider you a bit. Not a turf sprint specialist handicapper because you know you you you've uh, obviously uh, you know you 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 pick favorites in all the different uh, class levels. But I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about this one because I do think you have a knack for coming up with good opinions in turf sprints. Oh uh, yeah, I mean it's a, it's a big field and and I think that there's a, one of my weapons I like to try to use is a lot of people I think spread in these races because uh, there always seems to be some speed so people have a hard time. Uh, locking on to speed, but they also have an easy time locking on to closers. And I think in those situations, it, you end up using a lot of horses you don't need. I only need two horses in here, and I feel extremely confident that one of these two is going to win. It's either going to be the one nothing better who I thought was extremely uh, impressive at Aqueduct going six, which might be a little bit too far, now cuts back after skipping the race at Churchill. And then the 10, Coppola, who ran an unbelievably fast race last time for Dale Romans. Speed drawn outside. You get a Hall of Famer in Johnny Velasquez, who's going to stay out of the way. Uh, I, I don't care if they go fast. I think one of these two will go fast and keep running. I have no use for any closers in here. If they win, they beat me. I'm only going to use the two in here, the one and the 10, and the 10 will be my top choice. I will piggyback because I have the same two numbers just in the other order and not a whole lot to add. Just looked like nothing better. Had the chance to be that best speed from the rail. What a rich vein of form. This one's found at six, just a half length or so, uh, maybe even less from uh, going for the five Pete. Um, and then Coppola. What a race at Churchill that was, despite not breaking great and finding trouble. This is an improving four-year-old who fits on all the figures in known form. Just has to work out a trip, uh, not just for fans of the conversation and Tucker. Got to get the pop culture references in there. Okay, maybe I could have said uh, not just for fans of The Godfather if I wanted to be a little less obscure, but that wouldn't be on brand at all, would it? Michelle, let's bring you back in. Alex, another one of your fans is chiming in in the chat. Who do you like in the Jim McKay? I mean, I, I feel just like a JK piggybacker right now because I see this race same way. I was looking for the fastest horse, right? I mean, that was what I wanted to see. And to me, I thought nothing better was the quickest of the quick. He gets the rail draw, so he's just going to go out there and send City. So for me, I like nothing better on top. I could use a whole slew of horses underneath him, but if we're just strictly talking about a winner, for me, it was nothing better. I could make a case for a whole bunch of them underneath. Uh, and I do want to also just give a little 
thumbs up and a high for the eight Grateful Breads trained by one of my best friends ever, Madison Myers. We went to college together. Awesome. And uh, she's just, you know, trains mostly breaks babies, but trains a few of her own. But Grateful Bread's been really great to her. Uh, he's a seven-year-old Maryland Bread, and he's just a really cool customer. I don't know how he's going to stack up against some of these horses in here, but um, he certainly has my heart as far as a rooting interest goes. Not too far out of it on the on the form, I wouldn't say. Were there any others, Michelle, you wanted to name check as ones you might be throwing in that exact with, with nothing better? I mean, I think the Artemis City Limits is certainly worthy of a play. He gets a turn back in distance off the layoff, off good ground in the Shaker Town last time. We can pretty much draw a line through that because if you do, he's a really consistent performer, but he picks up more checks than he does and you know takes pictures. So for me, he was just a horse to use underneath, not saying he couldn't jump up and win, but I just wouldn't spread my money too thin if that's where I was going to go. Another underneath horse, I thought the five smoking J for Kelsey Danner. Um, again, last time out, I'm some of these Keeneland races, I'm just like kind of chucking if the horses didn't run well there and looking back on previous form. So for me, another one would be smoking J under. All right, John, let's bring you in. Can we make it a chorus for nothing better? Kind of. I think Coppola <laughs> is he, he is my single in the sequence. I'm going to use just Coppola because as we talked about he is getting much better ever since he went to grass. I loved his last start. He had a bit of traffic trouble on the turn. Once he got clear, though, he kicked away and won pretty um, impressively. He should sit just off the pace. He's drawn to the outside. So hopefully he'll, he'll manage um, to stay out of trouble and have a clear path late, as noted um, by Michelle. Grateful Dread is a Maryland Red, so I'll be cheering for him. Also, Nothing Better, who was my second choice. Did run a big race last time out. Also ran a big race to win the Aqueduct Turkspin Championship towards the end of last year. He has those Mid-Atlantic um, connections with Colts Next Stables, Jorge Duarte and Horatio Caramanos in the saddle. One horse who has not been mentioned yet, who I kind of like, is number 13, Beer Can Man for Bill D'Amato and Flavian Trot. This one made his first start off more than a year layoff last time out at Keelan, acted up a bit in the gate, settled down, ran on well late, lost by only two lengths, not a bad race for his um, first start in so long. His form from early 2022, probably at least contends in here at near his 8-1 to morning line with Flavian in, in a saddle. He's at least worth a look at. I think Artemis City Limits is going to be too low a price to use in the pick five off such a bad race last time. I know it was his first start of, of the year. But still, and also, don't forget, Ben's cat won this race four years in a row in 2013, right. 2016. Beer, beer can man's got a shot in here. I just, I'm not really thrilled with his draw. It ain't easy out there. That that might be outside isn't necessarily bad going the one turn, but that might be a little far. But those are great notes. I mean, 28 days now after being off for 426 and second start as a gelding, I can see that one as I as I squint for one to maybe be a stinger in uh, in a bet like the pick five, at least on some uh, at least on some backup lines. But let's proceed to race number 11. We've got graded stakes action, grade three, Maryland sprint. We're going six furlongs. We've got a field of 10. And uh, Michelle will give you the honor of starting on this one. Uh, for me, this race is straight no chasers race to lose. Looking at it, I think from a caliber standpoint, we didn't get as may maybe as many of the big name sprinters in here as you would like to have. So if you look at straight no chasers last race, he was dazzling. I know it was just an allowance race, but I love the way he did it. Um, even when you go back to races like the Malibu and the Palos Verdes, he was flying up there on the front end. Legitimately, at one point in the Malibu, when they turned for home, I thought, holy cannoli, straight no chaser is going to win this, right? Uh, he obviously didn't have the, the class to hang on against Taiba and Forbidden Kingdom, but he tried really hard that day. So I think that the distance suits him. I know that Dan's been pointing for this race with him. Um, I just think that he is the fastest horse in here, point blank. The old fastest horse angle, and this was the one that I came up with on top as well, um, though I did have one question. And, JK, this was a point you brought up in a previous race, so I'll bring it up with you here. Does it bother you? Does it concern you that straight no chaser, as impressive as he was last time, that that was done, you know, on a, an easy lead and with the benefit of, of Lasix? Or was he the horse to beat for you as well? Yeah, no, it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, I think if you look at the, the Malibu, he, he went extremely fast going seven against a superior horse in, in Taba. So I don't I think he ran well. I don't think it was a Lasix thing why he stopped and he stopped because he went really fast going seven. And he got ran down by a monster. And, and I feel the same way about uh, the Palos Verdes. I think those horses you know, he, he went fast 
and he just got beat. I, I don't think that that's an issue. And I think he's so much more superior than the horses he's facing in here today. This will be my single. Um, he ran a really fast number uh, at Oaklawn, and there's been three horses that have come back in that race. Rugs ran faster than he ran in that in that speed figure uh, that day. Um, chip off the old block, run faster. And then I can't read my own handwriting, something Philly. I don't so, – Something that starts with S. I don't know. He's a horse in that race, but <laughs> but basically the point is is that when you have a fast number, sometimes I question it until I see horses run out of that race. And if horses run out of that race and run faster, it makes me believe that number because if you know anything about speed figures, they're all connected. Between first and fifth place are connected mathematically. So if if the first figure is right, then the fifth figure is probably right. And so. If those three behind Straight No Chaser were right, Straight No Chaser is an ice-cold single for me. I won't have anyone else on any other ticket. Wow, so no backups at all for you here? Not one. All right. I thought that one other horse to throw in for me. The outside. But yet 10, wonder where Craig is. I mean, this yeah. horse, the form's heading back in the right direction, absolutely loves it around here, and it just feels like a spot that's been picked out for a long time by connections, having this horse maybe ready to peak second time off the layoff. Um, on pace figures, this horse might even be able to lead, but the better trip might be uh, stalking straight no chaser. And if straight no chaser, you know, if we don't get to cue the jazz piano with that one coming in, maybe wonder where Craig is can get the job done. But John, we need to hear from you on this one. Um, nobody has mentioned Nakatomi yet. David Barista in the comments is a Nakatomi fan. I was thinking as a closer, maybe one we could try to uh, oppose as the favorite, but where do you land? Well, I am really glad everyone has brought up straight no chaser because he is a poop because he's, he, he fits in right with what I'm trying to say. I did pick him second. I, I think he has a good shot, but if you look at just the raw numbers, like the raw speed and the raw pace figures, there's not much separating him and number four, Al Loves Josie. And Al Loves Josie is going to be three or four times the price. I think that last race um, of Al Loves Josie, who is a Maryland vet, who is named in honor of um, one of the co-owners, Carl Iannotti's parents, but named Alan Josie, because the name comes from. Nice. I think that last race is going to throw off a lot of betters because it looks terrible. I mean, he was no factor in the Frank Whiteley. But he had an awful break. He got completely bounced around at the start. Once he got settled, he really had nowhere to go. And he was well being. I am willing to toss the race out completely. If you do so, he's in much improved form. He ran two big races against Allowance Company over the winter at Lowell. One by three and a half lengths in a pretty solid second level Allowance Aqua Planning race. Stepped up to third level horses next time out. Had to come him off the pace that day, which, which was not quite what he was used to. But he still kicked away and turned in another nice three-and-a-half-length win. He's going second off a brief layoff. As long as he breaks, I think he has a great chance. I'll tell you what. At the price that Al loves Josie is going to be, no doubt double figures. We've got the Bruno uh, Mars concert later on, on on Saturday, but it might be an early call for Julio to get the stretch because you'll be sitting on some tickets if, if we can get that thing in. Let's say hello to some other people in the comments. Hello, uh to, to Brian, to Affirmed, to Jim, and to Tom for uh, putting some stuff in the comments. The pace we're going at, we probably will have time for questions. Probably best to wait till we get to that part of the show before you ask them so they're not buried because we've got a lot of people chiming in here. But in the meantime, we're going to move on to race number 12 where we've got the James W. Murphy. We're going the one mile on the turf. We've got a field of nine and a heavy favorite on the morning line in uh, Nagarok. John, I'll ask you what I think might be the key question in this one. Are you with or against the favorite? I am against him because I think there's a lot of horses in, in here who have pretty similar form and are going to be much lower odds. In fact, I, in fact, I am not uh, planning on using him in, in my pick five at all. I think he's going to be used on a lot of tickets, could be some singles, and if I can beat him, it'll make the payout that much sweeter. And I bounced around... Quite a bit in this race. I picked three different horses on top at one point. I ended up landing on number eight, Wonderful Justice, for Brad Cox and Luis Saez. He's another horse who I think his odds are going to be inflated by his last start where he had a valid excuse. He looked good in his first two starts. Focus made at Farragans final off pace. Sat another good trip. Won the black gold stakes by a neck in, in a pretty game effort. 
Then got kind of knocked around at the start in the Transylvania. He, he was not able to get his usual spot near the front. And as such, he didn't run as well. He ended up um, getting beaten by eight and a half lengths. Really no factor. Since then, he's had quite a few good workouts, including a bullet drill at Keeneland on May 13th. He went four furlongs in 47 and two, the fastest of 76 times. Uh, that bullet certainly means a lot more than it might in, in other cases. I think he should... Stay out of trouble with fewer horses in the field. And, and if he gets his trip at a 5-1 to morning line, he's pretty interesting. It's a, I think it's an interesting idea. Any other numbers to come with? Or are you all about uh, trying to get a little separation there? Uh, I like Fantastic again. I think he looks like a main speed. I think he's faster than a Western Yard early on. And he could get loose for Johnny Velasquez and Wesley Ward. And at number five, circling the drain, a Maryland bred in the field, trained by Brittany Russell for heavy on Toledo. Uh, won pretty impressively at Laurel Three Stars back on the dirt, making his grass debut. He has not dissimilar form to Joe, who had raced mostly on dirt last year, switched to the grass uh, uh, for the Murphy, and ended up winning as a Maryland vet. Well, lightning strike twice? It's possible. <laughs> and eight We're to one, I think I have used him. JK, I know you had a good pull on uh, on circling the drain, so we'll bring you in. Is he your, is he your top pick, and, and what was the case? Yeah, top pick. I actually, man, this this Preakness pick five is very straightforward to me. It's, it's unlike the Derby. Like Derby Day was a nightmare outside of Cody's wish. I couldn't figure out half of those races. Um, you had to use lots of different things. I, I think all you need here is the one, five, and the nine, and, and the five will be my top choice. Um, this horse has got some siblings that have tried the grass. This horse hasn't. Marilyn Moe, maiden special weight winner on the grass. Uh, Comfy and Cozy, winner on the grass. Daddy's Cozy, four-time winner on the grass. Uh, Magnum Opus didn't win, but ran a very good third in one of the fast figures that horses ever run. I call that like a winning turf race. Mm -hmm. Uh, who's in town, one on the grass in campaigns, vows run on the grass. Every sibling who's run on the grass has won. So I, this horse is going to probably run well on the grass. And That's so I'll good make sure stuff. Those. I don't really need anyone else. Like I said, I, I think the rest of them are just a cut below. Um, and those are the only three that I'll use. I like similar horses to you, JK. I put Fantastic again on top. Well-drawn turf blood there. Um, unusual look for a Wesley Ward horse, but just seems very dangerous um, with the Lasix second time off the layoff after that solid stakes run at Turfway. Nagarok, I, I mean, I, I admire John's boldness in wanting to oppose, but I think the, the form and figures and talent that one showed, I've got to have on some tickets. That form was franked by Web Slinger in that uh, Derby undercard race. One wacky one I am going to throw in that I wanted to at least name check here is the seven runner, Kingfish Stevens. I thought this horse attended a fast pace in a race that collapsed late, and I thought could just maybe do better with a more even run. That last race, I know it was just a starter allowance. I know this one's going to be tested for class, but at least three winners have come out of that one. And I think this horse could get a good setup, probably more for underneath, but I, I'm going to have a little bit of seven in there. Michelle, let's bring in you to that cleanup for us and knock this thing out of the park. Uh, for me, I like Fantastic again on top. I put him over Nagarok. I wouldn't leave off Nagarok because he is a really consistent horse, but again, not in love with uh, where he's drawn. And I just think that he's a beatable horse because I feel like he's that horse that runs a lot of good races and then just gets beat with not a lot of excuses. So um, looking at both of them, I had two price horses that I'm going to fiddle with some way or another. The two fade the noise for Mike Maker has been sprinting and the last couple have not been great since breaking the maiden, but one of them, he went to the sidelines after and the other one was off the layoff again, one of those Keeneland races and he didn't break good and they were both sprinting. He gets to go around a ground for the first time. He's by Mendelssohn out of a state thirsty mare. To me, it just said, go ahead and stretch me out. And this is the kind of race I feel like Mike Maker can win. And the three, a Western yard for Arno Delacour. Um, I thought his last race at Tampa was, okay um mustache the horse that ran second did come back to win that uh stake over at keeneland so i mean i think the form line holds up well i don't necessarily know if he's as quick as fantastic again but if he's not i think he sets a really lovely trip and i just think that you know second time really for the year going um with some recency he can he can do something at 10 to 1 some good thoughts on some prices to include there for sure all right, we're up to the big one. The grade one Preakness, mile and three sixteenths, of course. Just the field of eight. And on paper, I'll be honest, I'm seeing it kind of as a match between number three mage and number eight first mission. Michelle, we're going to start you in this one. Is it as simple as a match between those two? And if I so, mean, 
Yes, I think I think it comes down to those two horses right now. Could something absolutely bonkers happen? Sure. But on paper, it doesn't appear to be that way. I think that National Treasure breaks. I think that he should go out front. He's been training really sharply since returning to Bob Baffert's barn. They're going to put blinkers on. But the whole reason I drafted him in our fantasy draft PTF is because I think he's going to win the Belmont. I think here he's going to okay. take too much pace pressure from the four horse. And he's probably going to get a little bit leg weary because I don't think that he's a very brave horse who likes to take a lot of pressure. I think he needs a lonely lead. Um, I think at that point, Mage shouldn't be too far back as long as he breaks out of the gate within a somewhat of a timely fashion. And we know first mission is going to be sitting right there just breathing down his throat, right? So they're going to turn for home. National Treasure is going to not want to go on. Here comes first mission. Then here comes Mage. And the two of them are going to kind of go on around it. If I pick up a horse to pick up some pieces, it's either going to be perform or red route one. But I'm really hit and miss on red route one and probably going to end up using perform on the bottom side of some exotics, but not anywhere near the top slot, which I think belongs to the two key players. Well, I, I'd be accused of a host fail for sure. I already see the host fail accusations coming in in the comments here for not holding your feet to the fire, Michelle. You can't just say it's one of those two. You got to pick a winner oh, for them. My, well, I'm going to stick with Mage. I, okay. my, if I have to pick the two, my, I, I'm going to stick with, with Mage. It does seem like an interesting race to maybe mess around in a bet like you know, I don't play a lot of cold supers, but it might be kind of a fun race to take that approach and just try to lock this in and pick the race if you have some stronger opinions underneath. And one thing I thought was notable, Michelle, about your picks is staying away from the second and 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 for the third and fourth choices. That could open up some value in a bet like the try or the super. JK, how about you? Where are you going to go in this year's Preakness? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, it's one of those situations where I want to get creative. I mean, I think Mage is, 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 is you know, what he did in the Derby was impressive, and, and you have to respect it. You know, I, I'm not crazy about horses that win from 16, 17 out of it. I, I think that, that, you know, circumstances have to kind of fall in your lap again. I, I do think Mage can be a little bit closer, but when I look at his best performance and I say that, you know, it, it was a race that, that he came from from out of it, so far out of it, you have to think that maybe that's, his best scenario. I hope he wins. Uh, selfishly, Fox has the Belmont, and it'd be fun if we had a triple crown the first year that we have it. <laughs> so I'm, and I'm obviously rooting for my friend Ramiro as well. But uh, but first mission, uh, Pete, we did that that Preakness uh, future wager, and a lot of people that were on the show picked first mission. So that would be a lot of fun to to get that first mission money back for everybody. Um, and and I think he's probably going to end up being long-term like who I want, you know, come the end of August at Saratoga, it would be a first mission type for me, but I will not be beat by national treasure. He's, he's a horse that has numbers as a two-year-old that are within reach of what everyone else has kind of been running until their last start. Right. So, so first mission popped up last time in the Lexington ran a much faster number and, and, and Mage too. But at one point, National Treasure was running numbers that those horses were running at three. So why can't he take another step forward? Um, and this is kind of like Baffert's race. He's going to be aggressive. He's got nothing to lose. He's going to send National Treasure away from there. And let's just say First Mission doesn't want to go that far. The National Treasure inherits the lead and Mage has trouble or they don't go too fast. And National Treasure just wins by default. I, I, he's a horse that I will definitely definitely use in a race that does feel like you know michelle said you said is a two-horse race i think it is a two-horse race but i think another horse can win that makes sense jk busting out the silver wig on the preakness show i love it i love it but my official my official pick will be first mission however i i I think that it's a it's a race i'm not getting beat by uh any of those horses I get it. I mean, Baffert has won the race, what, six times? Um, give, grade me your, your A's and B's here, JK. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, you know, I, I'm going to use – I'm going to probably use them all as A's. And, and the reason I'm going to do that is because I think there's going to be so much value in having national treasure. I'm okay with kind of letting them creep into the A line. I don't feel like I'm being wasteful there. And especially the way that I'm approaching the sequence with a single with straight no chaser, uh, going too deep in the turf sprint. And then only going, I think, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, like three horses in the other two. So I don't I'm not worried about my equity getting funny yep. where I'm going to be frustrated that, 
you know, these favorites win and I don't have it enough. I'll have it enough. If it comes all favorite, 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 I'll have it enough because I don't have that many combinations. I'm not wasting a bunch of combinations on 12 to one shots that I don't think can win. You do not. Yeah. You, you don't have to, 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 to worry too much when you're as thin. JK said that. And he was looking at me when he said that. <laughs> so, you uh, think he was, I would totally do. I'm like, no, I gotta, I gotta chuck this like 80 to one shot in just because I didn't even know you're on the show. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I have a full write up of this race over at attheraces.com. I go through them all, but the, the TLDR on my piece for this is I think the way they're going to bet it. I think first mission is going to be the horse that I want most of mage is right there. And I think, and we'll talk about some of these other contenders um, at more length. We'll do a whole second round on this race before we get to questions. But I think Red Route 1 is interesting to be that horse to come third or fourth, just based on the way the trips are going to work out. And I think it's an interesting race to maybe mess around with the Super. So mostly going to be rooting for that Preakness future bet. If they get, if it was, if the morning line was an actual betting line, I'd be betting Mage all day. But I'm pretty sure Mage is going to be odds on or evens. And I'm pretty sure that's going to make first mission uh, five to two, three to one, you know, something like that. And, and and that's how I'm going to play it. But John, we got to bring you in for this one. And first, I'm going to ask you just your general overview of the race. And then we'll start off round two on this race. We're going to talk very specifically about uh, coffee with Chris. Um, unless, of course, he's your pick in this race. Who do you like to win the Preakness? Well, I'm not sure if Mage is going to be odds on. With the disclaimer, Twitter is not real life. I have seen a lot of hype. Let's hope not, John. Let's hope. We got I've seen a lot of hype about First Mission on social media, and I feel like he could end up going off at like two to one or five to two and eat up a lot of money. See, I was That's thinking probably, that too. Yeah, I, 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 he is. He is kind of like the wise guy horse of this year's Phoenix. I feel like everybody used to avoid new shooters, and now in the past two years, everyone's kind of gone in the opposite direction, and, and they might be kind of overhyping new shooters. So. I think he has a shot. I, I am going to use him in. I pick five, but I could not bet him him uh, to win. My thing about Mage is I think people in their hype about this race and kind of quest to find other horses is Mage won the dirt. And he beat a much better field than anyone else in this race has ever faced. He ran well in the Florida Derby, too. He made a nice move at the, um, the back of the pack. Um of course, ended up losing for Forte. No shame in that. He's getting better with every start, I think. And if you just toss out everyone's names and, and look only at the running lines and, and, and at the numbers, I think almost everyone would settle on Mage, and I am as well. My only concern with him is he came from way off the pace in both the Derby and the, and, and the Florida Derby. I, I think Javier knows better. I hope he knows better. I hope he does not try to win it from 16 lengths off the pace again. Because I don't think you'll be able to do that with this pace. Because I know there's some horses who are, are, are going for the front, but there's really no like proven front runners in here. Only horses who we speculate are, are going to go for the early lead. Like First Mission and National Treasure, while I think they'll both be near the front, they don't have a lot of ones in their running lines. So there's a possibility that if Javier gets a little too cute, and Mage falls too far behind, he could leave himself with too much to do. It's not unreasonable. I mean, that that was on my list of extra questions to ask was what trip is Mage going to get? We'll get there. But while we're on, we'll, we'll sort of start round two with a coffee with Chris question for you, John. I was thinking the decision to go to this race, I felt like they they they, they got to say. I mean, I feel like they're they're – that just seems like the way that this horse could win. Now, I know National Treasure to me, I hear what you're saying, John, about the ones and, and the lack thereof, but adding blinkers from the rail, I mean, I feel like he's got to go. And I feel like Coffee with Chris, I mean, to me, needs to go right with him. I think that's going to allow a beautiful toe into the race for first mission, a lot like the Lexington. But let's get some perspective on how good you think Coffee with Chris is. I mean, is, is he here? Um, what, what is their goal in here to to have a, uh, a a win or go home mentality, or is it to just get a good race in the Preakness and hear the name called and and you know get to experience the day? What what is your take on Coffee with Chris, generally speaking, in this spot? 
Well, first of all, just a little background on, on his pedigree. He was bred by uh, Tom Rooney, who is the president of the NTRA. Um, his family has, yes. Uh, his, his family has owned Sherlock Farm over in Woodbine, Maryland for um, more than seven decades. And this horse's pedigree includes seven generations of Rooney homebreds. The That's sire cool. of his fifth dam, Molly, was Christopher R., who, who was the Maryland-bred horse of the year in 1975. So this horse <laughs> is as Maryland as it gets. I mean, like, if you cut him open, he'd be bleeding red, yellow, and black. Like, he's <laughs> pure Maryland. Um, purchased for $2,000 at the Basic Tipton um, Atlantic Fall Yearling Sale in October 21 by John Salzman Jr., whose dad trained extra heat, John Salzman Sr. Yep. And John Jr. is kind of like the Wesley Ward of Maryland in that he likes buying young sprinter types and winning a lot of early season two-year-old races. Like, he won the first two races of Maryland two-year-old season, for example. And I asked him about this, and, and he had the same um, same plan with with Chris. He, he debuted him very early. He broke his maiden on May 12th of last year. And I asked John about this horse after he won the heft. I was kind of probing, like, so, like, do you think maybe Derby Preakness? And he told me, he, he like, like at the time, he thought he was only a sprinter. He thought, like, maybe he'll, he'll go one, two, and mile. But he stretched out to a one-turn mile, and he won. He stretched out around two turns. He ran well. He came in second. Stretched out to a mile and an eighth in, in the Tessio. Did not run badly. He set the pace and held in game and lost by two and a half lengths um, in a blanket finish. Yeah, that was falling apart, too. Yeah. I think um, top seven had um, covered by three lengths. He held in pretty well. So he's answered every question of, of, of him so far. He's a hard-trying horse. Uh, I, I was talking. Uh, I, I was talking to John about him earlier in the week, and he said he doesn't want to be on the lead, but he's not opposed. Like, like if National Treasure doesn't break for some reason and Coffee with Chris gets to the front, he says that's fine. But he would like to be, I think, just to his outside, or maybe like just off him toward the rail, like a maybe National Treasure and uh, First Mission go at it. And and if those two do end up burning each uh, burning each other out, Coffee. With Chris will get first crack. He's also being ridden by Jamie Rodriguez, who has ridden him in his last five starts. But of course, Jamie had an had an incredible winter meet at Laurel in March. He was winning at about a forty percent clip. He's been riding well ever since, and although not that strong, I can't say Coffee with Chris has a good chance to win. But I am very happy that John Salzman is taking the shot. I think he deserves to take the shot. He's been in good form all winter long. And it's great to have a local um, a, a rooting interest in this race. It's very good for the industry here. He'll be getting he'll be getting a call. That I, that is uh, that is my prediction for sure. Michelle, you've done such good jobs on these shows in the past talking about you know what trips various horses are going to get in various spots. What trip do you think Mage is going to get? Is he going to be able to show the speed that he had back on that debut run, or has he evolved as J.K. was maybe suggesting he has into this sort of deeper? closer that could leave him uh you know maybe with a with a little bit more to do than would be ideal i actually don't think that he has evolved into a, a deep closer i think that he has been a victim of his own doing in the last couple of outs where he just hasn't been sharp from the gate or gotten away cleanly and that was my biggest worry about him in the derby was was he gonna absolutely lose his cool with everything going on and cause him to do something really dumb pre-race that would hinder him in the gate that's why I said I think he can be forwardly placed if he breaks. So I can't predict if he's going to break or not. But if this horse breaks sharp, uh, I think he's going to be within four lengths. I mean, he's going to not—he's not going to be back there. I would say he's closer. I'd love to see him get like a nice solo warm up or Javi's like, hey yo, pay attention. Let's figure this out and let's get going and, you know, get him in there and get him woke up and warmed up instead of kind of diddly daddling with the pony or paying attention to other things. Like I want him to, I want to see him bent over and doing something. Yeah. I mean, you got to figure he's going to be so sharp coming back off the two week rest. I mean, the two week rest trainers sometimes talk about like it's some thing to overcome, but history shows it can really sharpen a horse up and, and, you know, really bring a horse forward even and coming out of the fastest race I mean, you look at the time form U.S. pace plot in here, J.K., and this horse just isn't nearly as far back as you would as you would think. So maybe that's uh, maybe maybe that is a reasonable um, thing that he is going to be able to be much closer in this spot. Anything else for you on Mage, J.K.? I do want to pivot also and talk to you about Blazing Sevens. 
No, I mean, I do think that, the, like you said, the two weeks, I don't think it's a negative. I think it's a positive. I mean, that's why I think so many horses have had success going from the Derby uh, to the Preakness. I, I think that it, if you ran well two weeks ago and you're sound, you're probably going to run well again today because there hasn't been an opportunity for something to change. And you're facing yeah. the same group of horses. You're going basically the same distance. Like, you kind of kind of get the same result. The only thing different, I think, is that Mage did get a little bit of a pace set up. So w- what's going to happen you know, here blazing sevens. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't really see it. I think people are seeing early voting last year and Chad's decision to, to skip with early voting and show up. And uh, I don't think blazing sevens is necessarily that horse. Um, I know he, he showed some talent early, but you know, I wasn't overly impressed with his last race. Maybe he needed it, but did he really need it that much? Does he want to go this far? I think it's one of those scenarios where Chad successfully convinced, and I don't know this. This is not something that I know. I'm just saying Chad successfully convinced his connections to not run in the Derby, but there was no, like you couldn't miss both. You know, you had to run in one of them. And and I think that he picked the better of two evils. I'm not, I'm not overly convinced he'll run that well. To that point, I think it's the right decision, right? In the sense that blazing sevens is going to be a lot shorter price in this race that he would have been in the Derby. But at the end of the day, for me, we're looking at a horse whose claim to fame was another was, you know, in the slop as the lone closer in a pace meltdown, doesn't look to have trained on great. And the form of that bluegrass is just not working out with eight to come back to run and none to have made the frame. So I'm, I, I share the cynicism there. There's another horse that I think, uh, you know, we've heard some buzz about. Uh, the morning line of 15 to one still might be right, but certainly a horse to at least think about for underneath. And we'll get back to a race that John mentioned um, moments ago in the, in the Tessio stake, the horse that took advantage and won there was performed and you know, he had a very tricky trip and, and really wasn't able to be unleashed until late. So now normally there's the old, the old handicapping saw, you don't want to be chasing trips in slow races. And maybe that's what's going on with performs supporters. But on the other hand, I get the idea that this is a developing horse in the right hands who, you know, it's a dangerous thing to say, but I think it's fair when you watch that perform trip from last time, probably could have run faster if he'd been allowed clear run it's been a minute john since the tessio proved the key form line in this race and when i say a minute i mean maybe a couple of decades do you give perform any count in here yeah the last choice to win both the tessio and the Preakness was also the last maryland bread with the Preakness. uh did a testimony back in 1983 and, and the last maryland bread to the board of the Preakness was magic wisnu back in 2002 he was second in the Preakness, second in in tessio as well um, the thing that's kind of interesting about uh, Perform is he was supplemented for this race for $150,000. After the race, uh, a few folks asked Shrug if he would nominate. It sounded like he was kind of leaning to a no, but of course he changed his mind and he put up the money. I don't think they'd put up that money if, if they didn't think they'd get it back. Like, Shrug is not the kind of person to put his horses in races just for fun. Yep. Um, that being said, he is a closer. He's come from way, he's come from pretty far off of it to win his last two starts. He's been at Tampa Bay Downs and, of course, the Tessio. Obviously, Fogel Lynch gave him a great ride in winning the Tessio. He has the same problem I mentioned with Mage earlier, is that if the pace is slow, he could find himself with too much to do. And even if he is close to the pace, he could, he could find himself outkicked by just better horses. I mean, made obviously much better than anyone who we saw in the Tessio. He is a classic kind of horse who, if you are playing a trifecta or superfecta and you want to key somebody in third or fourth, couldn't blame it if, if I wanted it to be him. I think I'll probably leave him in there with my superfecta idea being that if National Treasure runs the way that Michelle and I think is going to happen, he could run out easily. And then, you know, we sort of made the case for Blazing Sevens not necessarily having to hit the top four. You know, somebody's got to run three and four. If it's Red Route one and perform, even with the top two in there, I, I think you might be able to, to eke out a little bit of equity. We've got a few more minutes here. We've already got some great questions. We encourage folks to drop some more in the comments. Here's a real easy one. Uh, will any of you be in Baltimore for the races? I will be. I'm going to try to get this shirt clean so I can wear it again with a sport coat. Michelle, will you be working um, on the, what, are, what, are, what will your work responsibilities be? I don't know. 
<laughs> so I will be there. I'm going on Thursday. Uh, actually, I'm going to be situated in this like loungy tent area and I'm going to be helping people wager and myself and Zoe Cadman are going to be doing like kind of like a, I don't want to say like a seminar, but like mini beginner handicapping in between each of the races and like pointing out people like how to play a little bit. Similar to what we did at the Pegasus, it sounds like. Yes, exactly. And so if people wanted to get like involved in that, where do they go? Like where do they need to buy their tickets? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll send out a tweet about I'll that. I'll find out. I'll find out yes. for you and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tweet it out. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. Uh, hello to Bedry. Hello to, to Steve, who's up for buying the Natty Bows. We appreciate that, though. Michelle only drinks Veuve Clicquot, so we'll have to, you know, we'll have to worry about that. What's John, how about you? Natty Bow, Nat National Bohemian. Isn't that like a local macro yes, thing? That's, yes, that's the... Uh, I've heard of Natty Ice. No, Natty Bow is what people drink around here. Mm. It's anything with Old Bay... With Natty Bow to wash it down, it's kind of like this like most stereotypical. Seasoning in your cocktail? No, 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 no. I'm saying like, like like any food with Old Bay on it, and then goes well. Natty Bow to wash it down oh, is, okay. is 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 most stereotypical Maryland thing that you can eat. I'll have to. Where will you be hanging? Girl. Where will you be hanging on Saturday, John? I will be probably in in press box a good amount of the day. Um, uh, counting down a minutes until coffee with Chris runs and sweating for a long time. Uh, I'll, I'll also be there on Friday um, doing the other podcast. Um, check out where I'll be on at yes. they're off, and I'll be at the library Wednesday and 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 Thursday. Um, once again, if, if anyone is, is is in the area, stop by. We're at three two one Main Street in Town. and I'll also be at the ABO Fitness Party yes. tomorrow night at the Mount Washington Tavern. So if anybody wants to come by, say hi, kick me in the shins. <laughs> hopefully we can avoid the latter but yes that's always a fun party and i'm going to be there too and i think there's still tickets available check out the america's best racing website for that so now michelle you your resume is um is you know sort of famously impressive and interesting but apparently there is a new line item on it tiktok superstar what is i get a comment i mean we got something in the comments here where somebody's suggesting you might be performing with bruno mars what's going yeah. on here Hardly, hardly. Uh, Christina Black. Okay, so Bruno Mars is going to be playing the infield at Preakness, right? We have to have a big name celebrity. And Christina Blacker did a Bruno Mars challenge where they play the songs and you have to like guess the songs, right, from like a line. So I actually do a ton of these on my TikTok, but it's generally like 90s hip hop or like something really random. And I'm really good at them. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't listen to Bruno Mars that much. I'm like a country person more or like 90s music. Uh, but she challenged me. So I had to do it. But I think I only knew like four of the songs. Um, so then I had to like push the challenge on as well. That's pretty funny. All right. I have a serious question for you, Michelle. And this comes from In the Money's own Michael Domable. Um, so the, these national treasure works in the blinkers. Mm -hmm. I think you alluded to this. Are, how much of an improvement are they from the Actine works? And even when he was with Baffert before, in Michael's opinion, he thought the last work looked pretty solid. What did you think? Yeah, his last work was really solid. I actually really liked his first work with the Blinkers, which was, I think, three or four works back. And it was right when he returned to Baffert, he stuck him in those Blinkers. So um, I thought he is working really solid. He is moving really effortlessly. I think when you watch back when he was with Yachtin, um without the Blinkers, he, he was a writer was always just kind of like niggling him along, right? It wasn't like asking, it wasn't like whipping, but he was just kind of like always um, you know, pedaling, pedaling, pedaling to get him to work. Um, his last couple of works, they've been by himself with the blinkers. He has just looked really engaged and he's looked effortless. Um, his last drill was like in 47 and change. He galloped out like he didn't even realize he passed the wire and he was just like, I'm going to keep going on. And he's just covering the ground beautifully. So um, you're naturally going to get a different workhorse from Yachtin to Baffert because they work their horses differently. Right. And as much as people want to say like, Oh, it's still a Baffert horse. Like Yachtin takes over the training. So you'll see the workouts change. And we saw that last year when, when Baffert horses moved to Yachtin, um, the workout patterns change, the times change. I mean, horses went from working 59s every week to 101 right that's just the way Yachtin works his horses so we did already see that and now this horse came right back into Baffert's got the blinkers on and hasn't missed a beat he has moved right along 
also, I feel like when you watch Baffert get ready for a really big race, Pete, you can see these horses really start to peak. So if you go four works back on National Treasure and you watch him and you watch every week, you'll see these horses getting more and more kind of in the bridle and more and more fit. They're ramping up. Baffert is the master of timing. That's some truly awesome analysis. Thank you, Michael, for, for uh, getting Michelle to speak at that length on that topic. It's fascinating. And I feel like you could do a whole podcast about, you know, just uh, the, the differences in works and the why of it and, and, and all that. And maybe sometime we will. We have a question from Affirmed about the $100,000 Arabian race that closes the card. I doubt any of us have much to say. I about handicap this. the Arabian race. Excellent. Well, we're going to get, we're going to come back to Michelle in a second for her thoughts on that. But I will also say that Marshall Graham low key loves to handicap the Arabians and I will be sitting with him on Saturday and I will either force him to tweet his thoughts or um, just steal his thoughts and tweet them out myself. So at looms boldly on Twitter, you'll get that. But meanwhile, Michelle, and I'm making you do too much talking here, but you know, Hey, you're, you're, you, you don't mind working hard. Who wins the Arabian race? Look, I think for, for me, it's the two favorites, right? They're the horses with the class to lean on. Um, so I like the nine diamond gem. This horse is coming off a runner-up effort where he got beat by Quicksand, who's the other horse you can like. But I think he's really favorably drawn. And I think the stretch out and distance is going to work in his favor. Looking at the horse that beat him uh, last time, Quicksand, he's kind of like a hit or miss horse. He rarely puts together back-to-back -to -back wins. So for me, I'm going to play the other horse on top. But both of those... They're, they're the guys that have been around the block. They're the guys that are the, like the true, you know, level performers. Um, so I think it's going to be hard to steer away from those two. Horse players take note, and JK will bring you back in to talk about this. There are a couple of two-day pick fives, part of some of the new wagering initiatives for this year's Preakness, not unlike the uh, the Preakness future wager. Um, it's kind of cool, these cross these two cross-day ones. We've got one that combines – the, uh, the Black-Eyed Susan, well, actually, it starts with the Hilltop on Friday, goes to the Black-Eyed Susan, and then on Saturday, the McKay Turf Sprint, the Murphy, and the Preakness itself. And uh, low takeout on these, too, which is really cool. You can find it under uh, PIS, 12% takeout, 50-cent minimum. And then the other one, speaking of Marshall Graham and potentially JK, an all-dirt two-day pick five. This one, PI5 is the code. Uh, that's going to be... The 8th on Black-Eyed Susan Day, the Pimlico Special, the Black-Eyed Susan itself, and then the Maryland Sprint Stakes and the Preakness Stakes. JK, do you see yourself getting involved in either of those two-day pick fives? And do we maybe want to do a little bit of uh, in-the-money-plus action later in the week on one or both of those? Yeah, no, I think we should. Yeah, I, you know, I like those two-day wagers for a couple of reasons. One, I, I think that you can... You know, I'm, I'm pretty big on game selection. You know, obviously there's the late pick five where they kind of basically lay out, these are your five races and here you go. But sometimes there can be races within those races that you don't have strong opinions about. And sometimes these two-day wagers can allow you to run together other opinions that you do have. You can even sometimes skip a race you don't have an opinion because it's not in that sequence. So I always like to take a look at them just to kind of get an idea of, of, of you know, if they're, if the sequence fits me better than the traditional pick five, you know, we talked through this pick five, I have a pretty strong, pretty strong hold, at least on my opinion of what I want to do in this pick five. So I don't necessarily have a problem with this one, but you know, you can always still continue to mix and match some of those other ones. And, and the other thing too, not to get too much in the rabbit hole here, but I have found that historically the computers stay away from the two day wagers. Um, and, and I'm not saying they completely stay away from them, but you don't see that and big dominate. flash. Uh, yeah, you don't see that big flash like you do in a traditional pick five. And I, I think there's a lot of different reasons that, you know, that, that that's the case. But I, I think that because of that, these opportunities can sometimes be pretty, uh, pretty lucrative. From a game selection point of view, these bets make sense. We'll reiterate a quick note that we made at the Breeders' Cup last year that we had a dozen people thank us for. The idea of going through the, all the stakes Friday, Saturday, put a grade next to the race based on how strong your opinion is. Then look for the wagers and the pools to play where you have the strong opinions. Don't just necessarily play the pick five by rote. Take a look. Maybe there's a better way to express that opinion. Maybe it's a double. Maybe it's a pick three. Maybe it's a two-day bet, etc. It's definitely, it takes five minutes and it can absolutely improve your return on investment. We had one note about how Mage would handle a wet track. 
We might not have a wet track. We'll see. If they're saying PM showers for Saturday. Always we'll red fine. He's going to be just fine in it. Come on yeah, now. It, 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 yeah, I'm not too worried about it. I did want to address the weather, though, before before we got out of here. But that's really all the time we have. I, this was so fun. The hour absolutely flew by. I want to thank uh, John, first and foremost, and our sponsor for this one, the MHBA. You can learn so much more about them and their mission over at MarylandHorse.com. Please check that one out. Um, Michelle, we're going to see you on uh, Saturday. You're going to tweet where people might be able to come on in late and join you. JK, you're not going to be able to join us in Baltimore. you got some other life stuff uh, going on, good life stuff, but we will send folks once again to uh, the, the JK collection, oldsmokeclothing.com slash JK, and you can find our cool t-shirts, including the one Michelle's wearing, inthemoneypodcast.com slash oldsmoke. Promo code in the money for free shipping. And if you want more of our content, if you want to support the kind of stuff we do, check out in the money plus in the money podcast.com slash plus. Um, that's it. That's all the plugs. That's all the time we have. Thank you to the panel once again. Thanks to the MHBA once again. Thanks to all of you for watching, listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks to our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. This show's been a production of In the Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your Preakness Day photos. <laughs>